You are listening to The M Word, a podcast where I, Michael Pullman, sit down and talk to people about their lives, their journeys, their careers, their passions, etc. Just a quick disclaimer before we start today's show uh, with Jamie Wall. I had, um, during the, the interview, I had some issues with my microphone. Um, so for the first 20 minutes or so, of our chat it was working fine and then uh, for the middle part of it it kind of cut out so I've had to you know rather than go back and do the whole episode again I've um, just cut out the the dead ear where I'm, I'm asking him questions obviously where my microphone wasn't working so yeah it'll, it'll, it'll sound a bit a bit weird at times but um, I've done the best I can with it so so yeah, just again, for the first part of the episode of the interview, um, you can hear me fine, and then for the middle part, um, there's no, there's no nothing for me at all, um, so Jamie, that's when you'll hear him um, sort of uh, answering questions that you might not have heard me ask, but hopefully it all sounds okay and makes sense to you, and then my microphone decided to start working again near the end of our interview so sorry for the confusion and i hope you enjoy the podcast roll the intro Yeah, t- today's guest has been a, it's a regular on the show, actually. It's the third time on the show. He always makes some time for me. So, Jamie Wall, rugby writer, journalist, connoisseur of the sport. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm all right, man. Like you said, it's, um, it's a tough time for everybody. And, uh, you know, like uh, it's just it's just kind of crazy. It's just uh, all this stuff's happened so fast. It's... Um, I don't think anyone's really had a chance to actually really yeah. um, realise just what an impact is going to have on everyone's lives going forward. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. But today, I think I think sort of brought it home a little bit. Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll get into that. Um, of course, listeners and viewers, if you aren't aware, I'm pretty sure you... There's, there's no possible way you can't be aware of this, but um, yeah, COVID-19, the coronavirus, is uh, oh, it's, it's affecting all of us. And here in New Zealand, we are in a, a national lockdown, the first time it's ever happened. And um, yeah, we're, we're five days in. Um, and, and as you said, Jamie, very, very, very interesting times. Um, f- for you, I mean, what have you, what have you been up to? Oh, mate, well, I'm actually 13 days in um, yes. to lockdown. Uh, I had maybe the worst timed holiday of my life uh, on the weekend of the 14th and 15th. Uh, I went over to Sydney to see some friends. And as you know, the 15th was the day that it all pretty much kicked off um, when uh, the government announced that um, people had to be home by, if you're overseas, you had to be home by midnight. Otherwise, you had to undergo a 14-day uh, self-isolation. Yeah. Um, I, I couldn't get back um, that day. I had to wait until the Tuesday 
um, night to come home to a New Zealand that had changed quite a bit since since I'd left only three four days before yep. and um, yeah I've so I've got about a week's head start on the whole lockdown thing hit everyone else um, so after a week to hear that you know I was kind of looking forward to yeah being able to go out and sort of restart my life yeah. after two weeks of sitting inside to hear that there's actually going to be another four weeks and everybody's in that boat four weeks minimum that is yeah uh was pretty tough so yeah like tomorrow was the day that i was going to be able to yeah you know when go you, go out when you were in australia and, and you got that news did you you said you you tried to book a flight was it oh yeah I, uh, I, I, okay, I, I mean, I tried, but I didn't try very hard. Like, I had a look at the flights. They were, it was outside of my uh, budget at the time. Um, it was going to cost me quite a bit. Um, in hindsight, I wish I had done it. Um, I think st even still, even then, it was, I was probably thinking like, oh, this will, this will go blow over or, or whatever. Um, uh, like a lot of people did, um, you know, and there was only, what, two weeks ago yep um uh so i mean i didn't i just had i when i say i tried i mean i had a look and um yep. and decided against it and and you know a day or two earlier from that moment we were you know at the stadium here in hamilton That's doing right. what would be you know this what the second to last super rugby game on on these shores probably of the year um you know you're your work in, in media and you know what's the what's the upshot of that at the moment yeah well i mean it was quite a fun evening wasn't it we had um yep. we managed to get ourselves in the actual media box for change which was quite a nice nice uh nice yes. work by the chiefs to to get us in there um it was a it's a bloody good game as well i thought um you know my, my, i mean it helped that my team won um on the last play of the game uh so if that is the last game of rugby we're going to watch this year, I mean, at least it was a good one. Mm. Um, and yeah, I remember uh, standing around sort of before the game at half time and at the end, and there's a lot of unease around. Yep. I remember, um, yep. you know, telling the guys, telling you guys, oh, hey, I'm off to Sydney, you know, tomorrow. And, you know, I, I had plans to go to the, the Black Caps versus Australia uh, cricket game on the, on the Sunday. Um, that have been ended up getting called off um and you know i i remember feeling it all feeling very uneasy uh that night and um and afterwards uh so i think that um ever since that moment it's just changed um completely like uh, we no longer have uh yeah work to go to anymore yeah. I mean, um, we were we were saying that night you know there's no way that the because the chiefs were due to fly up to africa mm, on the on mm. the monday and there's just no way that was um was was going to happen um I, I guess for all of us in this business it's sort of a time of um unease at the moment uh I, i'd probably go further than unease it's 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 a time of like deep deep um uh the right word deep yeah. layoffs that's what it feels uh, like this afternoon um yeah and also i feel like the way we're feeling right now um you know yourself me um 
uh, everyone else in the media, uh, sports media at the moment is. I think that this was one of the first really publicly visible um, industries to get affected by all this. Like this, the the rugby, right, Super Rugby, and the NRL. Uh, well, Super Rugby was essentially called off um, before the lockdown even happened, um, which you know put us out of work. Um, the NRL, uh, the only way that could have kept going was if it was in Australia. So that was just for us pretty much gone as well. Um, and then once it became quite clear, like how long the borders were going to be closed and, um, the sort of restrictions we'd have on um, our daily life, it's pretty obvious there's not going to be an all black season, uh, at least in New Zealand anyway, and probably not overseas. So uh, everything we do, um, uh, rugby-wise, has been wiped out, and um, every other sport has followed rugby's lead, and like it usually does in New Zealand, and uh, has caught everything else off as well. And so you found there's you know um, dozens, then turn into I guess hundreds of people that all of a sudden don't have a job, um, and I think that the rest of New Zealand probably hasn't got to that point yet because we're there's only it's a, it's going to affect other industries sort of going forward as they as they start to realize like this is unsustainable and they're going to have to start shutting down letting people go but for us it was just like someone just flicked off a light yeah um and that's why i think um also for me like having an extra week like a week head start of the lockdown has mean I mean, it's even more like, oh, my God. I mean, um, it, it's absolutely insane. I mean, the, this time a week ago, we we'd barely learned to... Well, we just learned that there was going to be a lockdown last Monday. And um, here we are a week later, and one of our major... I mean, this is bigger than sports media, obviously, but, you know, one of the biggest branches of sports media in this country with some of the biggest names just gone you, you mm. know like that and um it's it's just insane to think about that it is it is, it is i think also just the i think um you know obviously something had to probably happen in that space because if there is no live sport then uh radio sport uh, you know would have to adapt yep. uh to, to something else um but for it to just get like i said flicked off uh, in the middle of the day yeah. like it did is um it's really uh, it's a real shock yeah yep big shock um you know we we kind of talked about this on the phone last week you know the there's a lot of talk out there at the moment about when rugby could start and and what it could look like and my the team coming back early and all this this stuff um you know you said to me on the phone last week you don't think there's going to be rugby for the rest of the year do, do you still do you still stand by that um yeah i yeah i think so uh, i think there's definitely not going to be any home all black tests um for a start uh it's highly unlikely that there'll be that the tour at the end of the year which was going to go to japan Wales. and to europe or to yeah. the uk yeah. um would probably go ahead in the 
the way that it that it is uh given the border restrictions yep. that have been put in place i mean i this is again like uh conjecture and just what i've heard but um those border restrictions could be in place for well into next year yeah um and so whether it's actually possible to even send a team over there i mean and then secondly i mean it comes down to uh how top level rugby is placed to even come back and play in a, mm. a proper um in a proper sense given that uh these uh, all professional rugby players um are in the same boat as everyone else which is have to stay at home um can't get together can't train um can't be coached um you know you can't just turn everything on and have it come back to normal um especially considering that uh, also going forward um the restrictions on public assembly will yeah. probably stay in place uh sort of longer than yeah. the, the official lockdown so um i was i've never been a fan of playing games in front of empty stadiums i think um that while it serves a broadcast purpose and the fact that they get to put something on tv um i think the longer this lasts uh and that they have to if they did end up in a situation where they put it on because it, like i was watching the nrl the other week um i think it actually just reminds people of um just what's going on and it's a it's a kind of it just made me sad watching the nrl yeah. getting played on in a, in a new stadium and i watched a lot of afl over the weekend as well and it was it just was kind of more morbid curiosity than anything else like i don't think i'd want to do that yeah. every weekend uh and, and i mean that, that, i mean for me like playing in front of stadiums is what buddy super rugby's problem was anyway yeah, yeah. so why why they'd want to accentuate that is, is beyond me so um i think will a, will a ball get kicked in anger this year i i don't maybe um i think the best shot is that they'll take the super rugby competition um that they were proposing um between the new zealand teams and probably just move that as far back in the year as they possibly can just so they can somehow recoup some money out of that yeah uh, you, you know i i was doing a piece for rugby pass this morning and sort of you know my angle hasn't exactly taken rugby off the table for this year but i mean when i think about all this jamie i'm thinking about new zealand rugby like there was a big gut check about to come up, right? Because, yep, they want to play Sky. Sky will be, you know, they're bleeding money. They, they need rugby back on TV. How this is done is going to be very interesting about the value this union places on the wider health of the game in this country, right? Yep. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What do you think about the prospect of my team cup coming back early and, you know, having, let's just get rid of Super Rugby, for example, and have all your top flight players back in the NPC. I mean, that would be, there'll be a lot of people that would say, shit, that would be great for the game in this country. Uh, yeah, I think um, that's, that's an interesting proposal. Um, uh, what I think would happen, though, is that you would just end up with the 
super rugby teams just reforming under the main provincial centres again. Um, so they might, in my opinion, they might as well just keep the super rugby teams the way they are. I mean, when you think about it, Auckland, Waikato, uh, Canterbury, Otago, and it's, you know, for a while, Wellington um, were, have always been the traditional powerhouses of the game. Um, that's why the Super Rugby teams are uh, based in those places. Um, so, and, you know, the Super Rugby teams is where the, the, the union makes its its money off. Um, uh, I, I can't see them bumping Mighty Team Cup back up to, to what it was. Um, because, like I said, if, if that was to be their plan going forward it would just end up being those those five teams anyway you know what i mean well um, you've also got the likes of you know to play devil's advocate you've got tasman you've got hawks bay you've got those sorts of unions i mean tasman would be for example would be quite stacked with talent yeah but i mean i think that if they were to dissolve super teams um those uh, the ones based in the big uh the city centres would just um, soak up all of what was left. Mm. Um, I think that uh, Canterbury would just uh, take back all the players that they've, they've essentially just farmed out to Tasman. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I'm not saying that you know there couldn't be another good sort of team, um, but it would probably just end up being. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of people get quite misty-eyed over the old NPC, you know, back in the 1990s and um, I guess early 2000s when it would pack out yeah. and everything like that. Um, I think that, I think that, yeah, I mean, if they, if they did relaunch it and have the All Blacks in it, um, it would be, it would be incredible yeah. Um, yeah. to see, you know, uh, I mean, I'm contradicting myself here, but I'm, I'm like Taranaki would actually be really good because yeah. they'd have all the all the Barrett brothers, yep, um, and their team. Um, but I, I don't know how. I mean, Super Rugby was created for a reason, which was to make make money. Um, they're going to need to make as much money as fast as they can once they start playing again. Yeah. Um, I don't think NPC is the way to do it. Yeah. Uh, I would. I like to see it. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love yeah. it. That, that, that'd be that'd be awesome. Um, uh, but I don't think that it's going to happen. I mean, again, like it kind of comes down to the travel yep. um, restrictions and stuff. And if it's the only thing they can do, then yeah, they probably yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, I I do agree with you on that. And I also think that there would be some that would say, oh well, if this was if there was a minor team cup to go ahead like like this, then it would. It would bring in the revenue. I agree with you. I don't think it's that it's that simple, is it? No, not at all. Uh, I mean, there's again, it goes back to what the NPC was, yeah. um, to what the Mighty Team Cup now is. Um, there's a reason it's all changed. Um, there's a reason that um, uh, there's a Heartland Championship of an amateur yeah. status, and there's a and then there's a Mighty Team Cup of professional or semi-professional at least. Another interesting um, aspect to all of this, Jamie, sorry to interrupt you there, is, is Japan. Now, now the All Blacks are going to Japan, well, meant to be. Um, there's a lot of money 
are over there. I would imagine that New Zealand rugby would be absolutely determined to get the All Blacks to play in Japan this year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd say so, yeah. Where I have an issue with all of this is that, you know, we, if we, if the All Blacks can't travel overseas because of border restrictions, and I mean, at the end of the day, safety is the priority here. If we are not willing to travel overseas, how can we expect people, other teams to travel to New Zealand? I mean, let's just say that our border restrictions get lifted and, and you know you can see it coming already people will be saying oh well why don't the wallabies come here for a free test series or whatever why should they have to come here if we won't go elsewhere yeah that's a good point i mean um i think uh, the, the the answer probably would depend on what their what sort of revenue share agreements that they can sort out uh with these these places like i would presume that every time the all blacks go to japan they get a big yeah. cut of whatever or they'll get a fee basically you know like a, a guaranteed um uh fee of, of however many dollars um just for simply going there if they can work out some sort of rev share agreement with the wallabies i mean if anything the wallabies are going to need that money more than uh yeah. sorry australian rugby is going to need that money just as much as New Zealand rugby is. So I think if they could sort out some sort of rev share agreement, they'd just play it and, and they were able, able to travel. They'd go and play in the biggest stadium they could find so they could get as many people in it yeah. as possible, which would be Sydney, Brisbane yeah. or Melbourne. Um, that, that, and, that, and then that's the whole another argument about the end of your tours because, as you know, um, those home unions don't have re have revenue share agreements um, with uh, the All Blacks, or with visiting teams. Um, so, and they and they have, and while it seems like they're always made out to be the bad guys out of all this, like for example, um, uh, you know, the, the case being that um, English players get paid, I think it's thirty, oh, something like twenty five thousand, thirty thousand pounds a game um whereas Samoan team barely got anything um for a test match played at Twickenham which is played in front of 80,000 people um you got to remember that like the RFU owns that stadium outright like they don't they, and they have to pay in order to maintain it and to pay the lease oh sorry not the lease the uh, basically uh, the debts on Twickenham yeah. um and so they have very sort of solid financial reasons for the way that they they go about their business um you know it's undeniable that they are still the richest union in the in the world but um you know it's not the all blacks are going to not not go there um what what will probably end up happening though from now on in the wake of all of this is that people are all going to have to help each other out in order to just even get something going because at the moment um simply going up to europe at the end of the year for the all blacks might not even be a money-making venture uh for them um because of the absolute bath the nz rugby are going to be taking now that super rugby's gone and then the home yeah the home home series against um wales and scotland oh, yeah uh, will be off and then a couple of home tests against uh wallabies and then oh and the test at 
Eden Park um, against the Springboks, which yep. was all set to be the hundredth Test match between two teams. Like it was going to look, it was looking to be uh, post post World Cup a pretty not not like a massively lucrative like a Lions tour kind of year, but it was looking pretty like a pretty solid slate of games. Mm. Um, so, you know, that's all gone um, now, and whether they can, they can actually afford to keep their program running because we're the latest news we're hearing is that all the players and the coaches have to take pay cuts yeah. right now. So that's, I mean, that's that's another like massive sign that um, uh, a lot of other New Zealanders need to start having a good look at is that like while a lot of people out there might think like, oh, it's just sport, like, you know, who who cares? It's like, nah, man, you, have, you should be looking at this because if you have a job, this is the way your job's going. Yeah. Unless you're, unless you work at a fucking supermarket. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. And, I mean, the, I think the pay cuts are, you know, obviously they're necessary to to keep New Zealand rugby above water. Um, and, and anyone who says that they're not often doesn't really know what the hell they're talking about. Exactly, yeah. Um, what worries me, though, and I, I feel like I'm being overly negative today, I apologise, but, um, you know, if... If people start in New Zealand rugby start taking pay cuts, players are taking pay cuts, then you know New Zealand rugby will turn around and say that they've done their bit, you know, to help the the wider game around the world, and that's simply not true. Um, no, I mean they've done their bit to keep themselves in business, uh, which, again, though, while on the surface looks like you know, oh, that's the NZ rugby thing, looking out for themselves and blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, that is what their job is. Their job pr primarily is to, well, I mean, their job primarily is to promote rugby in New Zealand, you know, and to, and to make sure the game keeps going and keep it uh, healthy and, you know, and the, the problem within that and any other sort of conversation that we're having is that that can be interpreted in any sort of different kind of ways, depending on how you what your understanding of like what keeping and fostering the game healthy actually is uh, for the people that are, have been in charge of it for the last decade that is to make as much money as possible at any given opportunity and you're like well okay i can see how you understand that but that's not helping out the bottom you know grassroots rugby uh Oh, I think I think you're right, um, and that there's a, a disconnect. Uh, I, I mean, I think it's existed for quite a while now. Uh, uh, I think that um, I, I think that the people at the top don't actually realise how the level of um, mistrust there is in them from the people running the game at the lowest um at the lower levels uh is and i think that's actually a really big a big deal um uh the fact that people who um are passionate about club rugby and about junior rugby don't even really see professional rugby as kind of the same sport um that's the feeling i've got that's the feeling i've got from a lot of um club uh people that i've i've talked to over the last sort of couple of years, 
uh, here in Auckland, that is, um, and and from my contacts back in back home in Wellington as well, that it's almost seen as two separate entities that are playing the same game but have really nothing to do with each other. Uh, and I think that's that's something that probably needs to be really brought to the table when um, NZ Rugby kind of have a good hard look at what what needs to change um, going forward. I think, though, uh, and, and saying that, I mean, it goes back to what you were saying about um, perhaps um, rebooting provincial rugby um, uh, somehow. I can see that um, happening uh, now, now that, now that, okay, they have to figure out the most cost-effective way of actually maintaining a professional competition. Uh, yeah, I've been going down the park, um, uh, but, but like every day since I got back from Sydney, um, so I'm getting pretty, getting pretty handy at that. Um, just like I think I said, I was practicing for the season that's that I'm probably never going to play. Um, but I, uh, no, I mean I haven't really done that much. I mean this year, even before this happened, because I've been working on um, another big project uh, that I'll be able to tell you about soon. Um, so that's been taking up most of my summer. But the last uh, article that I wrote actually came out just before um, the weekend that the restrictions got put in place, um, which was a piece about uh, the Crusaders, the name the name change, um, where I went down to um, Christchurch and talked to uh, Colin Mansbridge um, from the Crusaders about that. And that's something that's sort of a, while, a long time in the making. I actually went down there late last year, um, and I thought that I'd just save it until... Um, the season was underway and it was around the anniversary of the um, terror attacks and I thought that that was going to be the big news story of the weekend but oh what do you know it wasn't um, but uh, it was it's it one of the longest pieces I've ever done probably the longest actually um, uh, and it was something that I was pretty passionate about like I wanted to um, Obviously, you, you probably know I, was, I wrote a series of pieces last year that was, uh, you know, pretty critical of the Crusaders um, uh, for their response um, to that. Um, but what I wanted to do was I didn't want to have to write the same story all over again. Um, I wanted to get talk to them face to face, um, uh, get an opinion um, about get their side of the story. Uh, basically, and then form my opinion um, based on that. Uh, and I did that. Um, it, you know, it changed the way I thought about it um, a bit. Uh, not not enough for me to sort of change my opinion on the the name change, um, but it definitely gave me a kind of a better insight into the way that they came about um, their decision and also their, I guess, the commercial uh the commercial reality of that place um which uh is actually a lot uh, is a lot um more precarious than i i first thought so once i kind of understood that then i was like okay well i can i can see where you're coming from um at least and and they were they're good people um they were they very they welcomed me into their house you know um uh it's not something i thought i would ever i'd ever do um and i'm really glad i did 
So I was, yeah, I was really happy with that, the way that came out. Um, I think that from a Super Rugby point of view, from an overall point of view, I think South Africa, South Africa are going to take the opportunity to leave. Um, and they can use the... Um, uh, just because uh, that money from Europe has always been on the table um, for them. Um, and now they have a as good a reason as any to, to go. I mean, they had a pretty, probably a good enough reason to go anyway. Um, so, because, I mean, this is going to cripple their, um, their uh, national program as well. Uh, I think, I think that, that all of that's going to be sort of out the window now. Um, they can probably, just say, I, I think, or, or they, they probably they could probably just go to the next Senzo meeting. And just go if we stay, we're we're going to go bust. Um, uh, and you know, if you want to, if you want all these teams to fold halfway through the season, um, then that's what's going to happen. And if they can make a sort of reasonable case that that's what's going to happen, then you know, Senzo's hands are kind of tied on that. Um, I think that uh, the most logical um, thing for Super Rugby going forward is probably a return to the old uh, Super 10 format, um, if you remember, uh, which is the precursor. Yeah, so it's a pre it's the precursor to, um, to Super Rugby, which was uh, the top provincial teams from New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, uh, and some of the islands. And the top qualifying island island team, Pacific Island team, um, played in it was like a preseason tournament, um, but that but using the existing super teams and the Australians as well. Uh, I think, you know, I mean, those are, okay, so I mean, uh, disclaimer: this is if everything goes back to normal by the start of next season. So there's res no restrictions or anything. Um, I think the force will probably come back. Um, the S Sunwolves or some sort of Japanese team will stay, uh, and then they'll have a competition of that, and it'll be a Pacific Pacific Championship. And then, and then finally, hopefully, they'll they'll somehow figure out a Pacific Island team um, to play in it as well. And as for the as for the Jags, I mean, I it's it's such. A shame if they end up getting cut out, but I could probably see that happening. Um, uh, well, I think global record rugby was always something that was going to be uh, set up to eventually be bought back by Rugby Australia. Um, I think. I think there's. A, I mean, the, the conversation about what Andrew Forrest is trying to do there is actually like a completely different one that really doesn't really involve sport at all. Um, and long story short, I mean, he's what he's doing is using it to further his mining concerns in Asia and also um, uh, just like um, uh, and, uh, industrial concerns in, in Asia and the Pacific uh, and also using it as a kind of vehicle to um, uh, to use for Western Australian autonomy, I guess, from the East, East Coast Australian you know, uh, government, um, because there's a lot of a lot a lot of feeling in Western Australia about um, how they get told told what to do by people over the other side of the country that um, have nothing to do with what they what they do over there, um, and yet are happy to 
you know, take all the money that comes out of the ground over there. So, I mean, that's that's what fundamentally global rapid rugby is all about. Um, and I think what he'd done was um, he kept he kept the force alive so that uh, if one day Rugby Australia was in a position to bring them back into Super Rugby, he could then sell it sell it back to them. Um, uh, I think right now that kind of rugby is in such a state in Australia, like it's 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 pretty much this is this is put a, put it pretty much on death's door um, that they have they have to bring them back in like regardless and they were going to do that anyway like that was their that was their plan um before it all got called off was they were going to play a just um between themselves and the force were going to come back in as well so i i could see a place for them back in in super rugby so i think uh what they were trying to do with that would probably just come into fruition a few more a few years earlier than it already it was, it was projected yeah yeah i think um that once things started getting called off you know it's important while we're having these tough times um that within an industry like this you have to look at stuff like this as an opportunity as well as a as well as a problem every problem is an opportunity in sport um and uh you know that's not something like i came up with, um, personally um uh it was the last person that said that to me was craig stanaway who's the um the uh, media manager for the for the breakers and you can look at their season and um the amount of things that happened to them before the season even started uh and the fact that they managed to despite all of that um uh increase their crowds by i think it was 40 percent um this year and uh i had i had quite a bit to do with them um to, towards the end of the year uh but he you know he, he was just like relentlessly drilling that message that if something bad happens it's an opportunity and i think this is a massive opportunity i think like right now we're all in a bit of shock because it's like i can't believe this is actually happening but we can look forward and go well how can we use this to kind of make our sport better and make it more sustainable make it um into something that that wasn't just sort of lumbering along the same way that it had been for the last 25 um 25 years of professionals because that's essentially what what it's done like not 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 much when you look at rugby when it's when it went professional to what it is now like financially um and and the sort of audience that it's attracting nothing's changed nothing's changed at all and it needs to because um i i think that i think we talked about this last time i talked to you about how rugby has in new zealand at least has just lost an entire generation of kids um who are now adults um and now here's a chance to get them back um we and and really like they when they get the go ahead and get a date to say okay we can start playing again on this date they need to get as many diverse minds into a room as possible with a blank sheet of paper and just go just everyone just come up with something it doesn't need to, it doesn't it doesn't there are no bad ideas right now the only bad idea is to go back to the way we used to do it like think of something think of something new 
and and they need to get as many different people in that room as possible when they do that. Well, I mean, there was I, I, I'd say that the the All Blacks test with England at the end of the year was shaping up as kind of the real the real big one. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like there's because rugby is now is so geared to the World Cup. Um, which, when you think about it, like while it's it's great, like don't get me wrong, I, I love the World Cup. It's not actually the way rugby is supposed to work. Like rugby historically is, you you find out who the best team is over a series of matches, um, and if you put everyone into a tournament, um, you're gonna have because like with all due respect to South Africa, like. And, and don't get me wrong, I got no problem with them winning the World Cup, but they got the, the fucking easiest draw, like out of out of out of anyone out of anyone that ever won a World Cup. Um, and if you look at all of the past winners of the World Cup, um, going all the way back to you know when when we won it in, in 1987, is that there's always been a team on the other side of the draw that gets knocked out that probably should have made the final and would have given pardon me, the team that eventually won it a real hurry up. And so it, it, it's kind of hard. I think except for like 1995 is probably the only real like true kind of World Cup. Um, uh, tr true like, you know, absolute like epic, epic sort of showdown. Um, whereas... Yeah, I think that when you say things need to change up, I mean, I think that one of the things they need to look at is perhaps going back to the way that they used to be, which is tours and series and, and playing three matches. Yeah, three matches because it's like, what's the most, what's the biggest thing that happened in the last 10 years here? Other than, I mean, you got the World Cup, but it was the Lions tour. It was like, everyone was just hanging off everything that happened on that, on that thing. It's like, I can't understand why you'd you'd look at something like that and go, that's that's why do you only want that every twelve years? That's it's insane. Yeah, I bet but I mean I I mean that I personally didn't have a problem with them playing the, the super teams on when they came because I think just just from a a matter of timing. Because if you look at the 2005 Lions Lions tour, where they played the provincial unions, that was actually the first that because that that happened in June July. That was before the season started, and so that was the first time those teams had actually had a hit out. So those guys, a lot of those guys were coming out of club rugby to play in that. Um, whereas when the Lions got here in 2017, they ran into uh, a Blues team that. Had just who had been playing Super Rugby the week before. Then they played our uh, Crusaders and Highlanders. You know, and these are tough, tough games. You look at those provincial games, and the other thing is, is with a tour, that team's only going to get better as it goes on. And so you saw, you would have seen what happened to Manawatu in that 2005 Lions tour, where they got 100 points put on them. It's like you don't really want to see that. So, I. I think that if they're going to have them at that time of year, then yeah, Super Rugby teams are the ones that should be playing um, because it just it's just something different. I th like I said, how we've 
we've lost that generation. Um, it means that there's people in their twenties, thirties. Yeah, like yeah, you'd be like you could be thirty years old now and you've never actually seen a rugby tour. Um, so it, for that, for them, it's something actually quite new and, and interesting. And uh, you know, I remember in nineteen ninety four when the Springboks came to New Zealand um, for their first tour since uh, since I'd been shut out. Um, uh, they played Wellington on a Wednesday afternoon, and we 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 all got half day off school to go and watch that. It's a Wednesday afternoon. There was thirty thousand people at Athletic Park um, for that game. So I I just think they just need to look at look at like what can possibly be achieved and and just sort of confront it and just go well. Here's our best bet for getting people re-engaged with this. And it might cost us a bit in the short term, but in the long term, it's going to mean we're actually going to have a game in ten years. Because, like, honestly, that could that that is the worst case scenario. There won't be any rugby um, anymore. Uh, I mean, I think so. I mean, they've uh, to me like sports contracts are barely worth the paper they're written on. Really, like, I mean, players can leave anytime they like. I don't see any reason why. Uh, yeah, I think I think this is just like a massive. Um, you know, this changes everything. This is changing more than rugby. It changes everything. I mean, so there's no, I don't see why it couldn't change that. What are you talking about me? <laughs> no, 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 no. I've been going, I've just retired. I've been going to Western Springs, which is a very big park by myself. There's, there's three rugby fields on it and I'm using one or one end of one of them. Um, and I think yesterday there was another guy down there kicking goals as well. He was on another field, so we had a field each. So we're definitely maintaining our uh, distance from one another. And I, it's walking walking distance from my house. It's about a five minute walk. So I I'm uh, I'm, I'm I'm definitely not flouting any laws. Uh, in Auckland, um, it's it's pretty weird. It, uh, uh, to be honest, someone um, brought up. Um, a pretty good analogy um, the other day. If you're old enough, you're, if you're like my age, uh, this is actually what New Zealand was like every Sunday um, because nothing was open uh, and no one would be driving anywhere. The only people who were driving anywhere were people going to church um, and you couldn't even buy uh, booze on a Sunday. So, like, you can do that now. Uh, but the only things that were open were with like dairies and gas stations. So actually Sundays in New Zealand up until the sort of early 1990s were actually more restricted. I mean, you didn't have to stay in your house, sure, you could go outside, but in terms of things that were open. Um, uh, but in terms of people flouting the lockdown laws, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think like, obviously there's pretty big backlash uh, against people doing that because the rules are pretty, pretty clear. Um, personally, I think that there's a little bit of, um, I think the police, uh, like the government and the police kind of need to get on the same page on a few things, um, cause there's a bit of confusion, uh, about that. I think that, um, the police probably need to kind of take a step back and, um, start to realize that if they start flexing their muscles, um, too much, then it's going to really freak people out. Um, uh, but also, I think what people have to realize is that there's a lot of people that have been affected 
by this like straight away. Um, like, like, like a lot of people have lost their jobs in the last two weeks, um, as we've been been talking about. Um, to get angry, to, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and so there's a lot of angry people out there, um, uh, and just upset um, people about um, the way that it's gone. It's a really hard thing to get your head around. Um, and I feel like a lot of the people that are raging on social media about people flouting lockdown laws uh, probably haven't been affected by it as much as a lot of other people have. So I think there's like a little bit of understanding needs to go uh, go go in there and just like actually just have a think about some people's state of mind um, because if you've just lost your job and you've got a family and you've got kids to feed and yes the government has paid out subsidies which has been fantastic like I got mine pretty much straight away and I'm very very thankful for it um, but it doesn't actually take away the fact that you're looking at massive uncertainty um, from now on I mean I don't I don't have any kids or anything like that so I you know I've just got to worry about myself so I can I can start to think like okay how can I sort this out but for people with families, man, like this is a really massive blow. Um, and so to simply take your kids out and go to a park or go to a beach and do something like, yeah, okay, you shouldn't be doing it. But at the same time, it's like, man, I, if I was in your shoes, uh, I mean, I can't possibly put myself in your shoes. So for you to just sit there and just uh, expect someone who's just had all that bad news heaped on them and then be, and then also be told, Hey, it's actually even when this is over, this is going to be economically fucked for the next good few years. Um, it's pretty easy to see why people would just want to just get get outside and take the kids and just do something fun because, you know, like we're uh, that's just human nature, isn't it? Uh, I've heard conservative estimate is actually more like twelve um and that and that uh a more an actual realistic um time frame on restrictions is something like six months and the border the border restrictions will be in place for um probably at least a year uh yeah you're absolutely right like uh, uh it's a massive one obviously for the warriors um uh yeah yeah i mean uh to, to be honest like i mean the nrl is a whole nother conversation because what was going to happen in that space is either gonna i mean that that whole competition could be gone um next year um we can talk about super rugby at least being able to split up into bits the nrl can't do that i mean it i mean it kind of technically could and go back to being what it was in the in the 80s which was like a sydney competition um but that this this could wipe out probably half the teams in the league and the i think uh, when you're talking like sort of teams that'll get bailed out like the warriors would be probably one of the ones that would survive but sydney teams that are in close proximity with with each other would either have to fold or merge um Obviously, the Phoenix, we talked about them. Um, that's a league that's obviously much smaller market share. Um, and the Breakers, 
as well. Uh, so, like, how they would continue to operate would be, I mean, if they can't travel, I mean, they, they can't really. Like, that's, that's the thing. Um, the Olympics as well, um, even if it does get postponed till next year, um, just simply doing that has probably already meant it's going to be impossible for a lot of athletes, not just in New Zealand, but around the world, uh, to be able to... Um, to be able to actually afford to be able to compete in the Olympics. Because when you think about it, most of those, well, the vast majority of Olympic sports are more or less amateur. They don't get, uh, I mean, they get government funding, but that funding and training regimes and, um, uh, uh, you know, the, the fact that they can't, they can only work certain amount of the time uh, means that, pushing it out a year will rule rule out like a whole bunch of people who would only have this one little window that they've been going for for four years uh, to be able to operate in. So that's another whole bunch of people that won't be able to um, be able to play. So, I mean, there's just going to be this massive wave of, I guess, austerity uh, within um, the world of sport uh, going going forward, especially in this part of the world because of the geographical um, real, realities of where we are. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I think that it's. I think it's probably it's probably a bit too early to tell because uh, we don't we don't know. Like everything, considering they've just hit, hit pause on everything, it's just so much. You sort of need to wait until it comes back to know. Because I mean, I'm not expecting my job to go back to what it was straight away. You know, like if they said, oh, okay, well they're going to start playing. The Chiefs, Chiefs are going to play the Blues in in July, so whether I'll just be able to walk back in and sit down and get back to work. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but I think with radio sport closing down, I mean, also the other troubling thing is kind of opening up stuff and the Herald every day and looking at the sports pages and it's essentially the same stories that are just getting rehashed like every three days. Well, of course, of course it is because nothing new to, new to write about and it's just a matter of time before that goes as well um and when whether it actually comes back like that's uh yeah <laughs> we'll have to wait and see yeah well i mean again again we go back to the whole problem versus opportunity thing um this is not just a chance for rugby to reinvent itself it's a chance for the people that cover it to reinvent themselves as well uh i think that you know a whole bunch of people right now at radio sport are out of work uh, you'd be stupid to think that they're not plotting what's going to happen next you know how can we reboot this whole thing and it's the same for us you know we have to look at um when this does come back we have to sell this game back uh, to people, so um, I'm 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 keen to do that whenever that is. You know, like we have to turn. We're not just um, columnists anymore. We're advertisers. We're 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 marketers. We're promoters of of what we do. Um, that's not to say that we're just gonna spin good news stories all the time to just get people interested. There's just different ways of doing it. Um, 
Yeah. It's true. However, I think that sport and rugby is going to play a massive part in that. Um, have you seen... I think that the, rightly or wrongly, and in my opinion, quite wrongly, uh, you know, this is getting compared to the last major event that affected the whole world, which would have been, was World War II. Um, uh, I don't... I personally... I don't think it's can possibly be compared um, to that. Not because I'm not trying to diminish either one. It's just because they're so they're such different sort of global experiences, and they're so far apart in time. But I think the one thing that definitely can be looked at is that once the war finished, they wanted to get sport up and running as fast as they possibly could to give people something to look forward to, um, because what's going to need to happen after this and what i think if i can this isn't a criticism of the government because i don't want to criticize anyone for being honest uh but one of the sort of more sort of things that has made it pretty hard to deal with is because they've been really upfront about the economic realities of what's what this means and the fact that there isn't going to be any good news stories coming out of the government for a long time um, there's not going to be any good news about employment or about bloody budget surpluses or anything for a, for a long time yet. And so I think that people need to do everything they can in their power to manufacture something good. Um, and sport is probably the easiest way to do that. Um, getting people together in a stadium, if we're allowed, uh, and getting some of the most recognisable people in New Zealand who like the All Blacks out to play just to put a smile on people's faces is is really really important yeah well jamie man um thank you for joining me bro it's uh given us both something to do i'm, I'm sure <laughs> yep that's um, right yeah man what, what what are you what are you up to day to day just just chilling uh yeah i've been um i just want to i want to say i'll give a big shout out to um there's a lot of talk uh, over the last couple of weeks about um, companies uh, who basically haven't been very good corporate citizens, you know. Yeah. Um, you heard a lot of, about, about price gouging and yep. and uh, uh, wage um, cutting, or not cutting, but like no wage increases for supermarket workers. Um, there is one... Uh, New Zealand company that I'd like to give a big shout out and that's um, Les Mills Gym um, because they not only, they took the proactive step of pausing everybody's membership, I'm a, I've been a member there for eight years now, um, of pausing everybody's memberships uh, proactively, they did that, you know, they didn't have to do that, um, they just said like, nah, we're, we're stopping because um, all their gyms have obviously had to close uh, and they've made all of their uh, gym programs free uh, online, so can access all those, and I think they've put them on TV as well, like they're on TVNZ on demand. Um, so I think that's a really good example of a, a big New Zealand company uh, just doing the right thing and yeah. um, and getting out there. So I've been doing those uh, every every morning. Um, obviously, been practicing my goal kicking. Um, like I said, I've got this other big project that I've yeah. still got. Uh, it's still working on that's about to wrap pretty soon and um i am somewhat lucky that i have got something else lined up that can kind of keep me busy uh for a little while um 
uh, without trying to give too much away, it was supposed to involve a bit of travel overseas. Um, I'm now going to have to figure out how to do that without, yeah, without having to do that. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's it. But other than that, it's just watching YouTube and play, making dinner. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, I do, I do get out of, I do get out of lockdown, the self, my own self isolation, um, tomorrow, so that means I can go to the supermarket. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, you're in for the experience when you go to the supermarket, man. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm told it's pretty. Like, I, I haven't been myself, but, um, yeah, apparently it's like one or two. You only allow one person or something. It depends on yeah, the supermarket. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Yep. Well, man, stay safe and. Um, yeah, you too, man. Yeah, I think just before I end as well, um, you know, we mentioned it a few times on the show, but shout out to uh, Radio Sport crew. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I don't really know what to say. It was um, quite upsetting when I saw the news this morning. So, um, hey, hopefully they can they can get back um, back on board soon and. Uh, yeah, we can get back to normal. So thank you, Jamie. Uh, we, where can Thanks, people Mark. find you? You're back on Twitter. Finally. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Tell people about it. that. Oh, no, no, no. I just... Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, my account got... Um, uh, I'm under... I'm just... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm embroiled in a bit of a battle to get that. I was suspended <clears throat> for nothing. It's not very interesting. It's not for abuse or anything. It was just for some sort of weird copyright thing. Um, I'm trying to get my old account back, but I've just started a new one, um, just to help me pass the time. Um, so it's Jamie Wall, 22 now. Must, Jamie Wall, 22. piss you off though, man. Like, I saw you yeah. the other day, like, how long did you, how many followers did you have, man? Uh, around 3,000. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so i got to start that again. I thought, like, that might be a good project for yeah. lockdown, was to try and get all that back. So, yeah, wish me luck. <laughs> Good luck, man. All right, Jamie, thank you so much for joining me, man. I appreciate it. Uh, no problem, Mike. Anytime, man. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that has been rugby author, journalist, all round guru, uh, Jamie. Thank you for being here. And yeah, if you want to uh, follow on whatever podcast service, whether that be Spotify, Apple, whatever, you can just hit that subscribe button. Of course, we are on YouTube. Hopefully, this all recorded okay. Um, and yeah, we're going to have some new guests coming up soon. Uh, we might have a, a certain Sky Sport person coming up later this week. So look out for that. And until the next time, this has been The Word. I've been Michael Pullman, and we'll see you in the next one. Stay safe, New Zealand. Yeah.